0: There we go. Hi. Trump is already screaming voter fraud. More on that later. Today is the 3rd anniversary of January 6th. According to a new Washington Post poll, 25% of Americans believe the attack on our capital was orchestrated by the FBI. 25% of Americans believe January 6 was orchestrated by the FBI. The point the post points out we've had the January 6 congressional investigations as well as successful convictions of 725 people who were arrested for storming the Capitol that day. 725 people are now behind bars. No evidence during those trials was ever presented that even suggested the FBI instigated the attack. Yet 25% one quarter of Americans believe the FBI was behind January 6 the post also discovered in their polling that fewer Americans today believe Biden was elected legitimately fewer today than there were back in 2021 when the post first asked this question 3 years ago 69% of all Americans believed Joe Biden won the election legitimately. It's gone down. Now it's 62%. 62%. You know, Rudy Giuliani took 60 voter fraud cases, 60 voter fraud cases to courts all over the country, including the Supreme Court in the lead up to January 6th. He lost every single case, all 60. When Rudy Giuliani met with Republican state legislators in states that Trump lost. He would urge the state legislators to overturn the results. And he was asked, well, what evidence do you have of voter fraud? And Giuliani repeatedly said, quote, we've got lots of theories, we just don't have the evidence. We've got lots of theories, We just don't have the evidence. Rusty Bowers, the Republican Speaker of the Arizona House, refused to convene a special session. The Republicans in Georgia refused to convene a special session. Not a single Republican controlled state legislature convened a special session to challenge the results because there just wasn't any evidence that Joe Biden stole the election from Donald Trump. And yet, only 62% of Americans believe Biden won fair and square. What is going on? I, why do I have such a visceral reaction when I see Donald Trump or any of the people who support him? Well, I think mostly because they insult my intelligence. They're just so flagrantly stupid. And their lies are also flagrantly stupid. And only stupid people believe these lies. And these lies eventually metastasize and make us all stupid. We all saw what happened on January 6th. And yet Trump along with his goons, are able to convince enough people to believe it was just a protest during which the Capitol Police overreacted and shot Ashley Babbitt. Enough people in positions of power are going along with that lie. Three years hence, everyone in this country, everybody saw what happened on January 6th. Donald Trump ordered an insurrection. He tried to stop Congress from certifying the election for Joe Biden. That is an insurrection. And yet you have an entire party leadership insisting it was no big deal. You have an entire party leadership that still insists Joe Biden stole the election. And if you can get your followers to believe Trump, instead of their own eyes what else can you get these people to believe reality as we all know now is subject to debate and that is exactly how fascism works this is not something new this isn't the internet this isn't social media making reality subjective This is what fascism is. This is what Mussolini did. This is what Franco did. And this is what Hitler did. Now, you don't need everyone to believe your lie. You just need people who know better to go along with your lie. And because the people who know better are going along with your lie, the imbeciles who don't know any better believe the lie. They really believe it. You know, the people who stormed the Capitol, they really believed the lie. Rudy, John Eastman, Trump, they were just going along with the lie. The people who stormed the Capitol, they believed the lie. Judging by the polling, the Republican Party is now controlled by Donald Trump. I wanted a horse race, You watch this show, you know, I keep looking for for some movement. You know, Haley... uh, The more I look at the internals, the more the polling shows that Trump has a structural lead only afforded to an, an incumbent. I didn't think Trump would be running as an incumbent this time around, but he's viewed as an incumbent. All the data... Coming out now shows the Republican Party is controlled by Trump and his liars who are convinced they can say whatever they want, and anyone who corrects them is either biased or corrupt, or both. This is a party, the Republican Party does not hold up under legal, academic, or journalistic scrutiny. So they attack the FBI they attack the Justice Department, and now they're attacking the presidents of elite colleges. They attack news organizations. They substitute higher education with diploma mills like Hillsdale College, Liberty University, or Prager U, and crackpot professors like Jordan Peterson. They substitute real journalism with Fox News, Joe Rogan, Newsmax, and Breitbart. And they substitute the Justice Department with Kyle Rittenhouse, off-duty cops, and gun-toting rageaholics. When you watch the Republican debates, they lie with impunity. When you watch these Republicans take to the floor of the Senate or the House, they lie About climate change. They lie about crime in the streets and how tax cuts for the rich juice the economy. They manufacture issues out of thin air, like a migrant crisis, to distract us from income inequality and billionaires running roughshod over our economic freedoms. Now, not everyone believes these lies. In fact, most Americans don't believe these lies, but there are just enough people on the right under Trump's thrall who are willing to lie in order to animate the lowest order of humanity, the evolutionary dead-enders who will believe anything you tell them so long as it gives them an excuse to turn violent. I don't think Trump is going to get elected. I still don't. I think it's going to be a tough fight. I think it's going to get really ugly. And I also think, God forbid, he does get elected, the American people won't put up with it. Because we didn't put up with the first four years. He was impeached twice. He lost the House in 2018. So, I don't think the American people are going to put up with four more years of Donald Trump. And by the American people, I mean the judges, the prosecutors, and law-abiding politicians. Now, people, if he gets elected, people are going to get hurt. There's, they, they, people get hurt when people like Trump become president. But when you look at the country writ large, we are a chaos machine. Nobody is allowed to have too much power. That's how the system was built. And that works against us right now when Biden's president, but it works in our favor when someone like Bush or Donald Trump is in the Oval Office. That being said, lots and lots of people, if Trump gets elected, are going to disappear, end up dead, broke, broken, and bitter because of Trump, because of George W. Bush, because of Ronald Reagan. Trump is is different from Bush and, and Reagan. He celebrates the decay. You see and smell the rot. And that's why he's especially detestable. And he's incredibly dangerous. I'm an optimist. I think America can survive Trump the way Chile survived Pinochet. But that's a lot of dead people and a lot of privatization. A lot of our Social Security, Medicare being privatized. And then 20 years later, who's ever left said, see, we survived it. Well, actually, no, we didn't. We are reaching a tipping point in this country when laws mean nothing. Because our society is slowly and now rapidly devolving into barbarity. This country has way too many poor people, while the wealth is concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. And that is barbarism. By the very definition of barbarity, when, when wealth is controlled in such a small, in so few hands... That's barbarous. And when that happens, laws, civility, and norms mean nothing. They mean nothing when you have to prop up a system like this. When you prop up a barbaric system like ours, you ha- you, the laws mean nothing. Civility means nothing. I'm talking about people like Jamie Dimon. I'm talking about the professional managerial class, the the multi millionaires who prop up the billionaires. Our Supreme Court, the most corrupt in modern American history, the most political, and of course the most conservative in modern American history, is about to take up the Fourteenth Amendment disqualifications of Donald Trump issued by the Colorado Supreme Court and the Secretary of State for Maine. A reasonable, civilized society would have a Supreme Court that says Donald Trump is clearly disqualified. Section 3, 14th Amendment, insurrection, he's disqualified. Find another homunculus. Find another pig to front the Republican Party. But this guy can't do it. But... Not this Supreme Court. We're going to see the majority on this Supreme Court resort to the slippery slope logical fallacy or the domino theory, which was the logical fallacy that kept America in Vietnam killing close to 60,000 Americans and millions of civilians in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Millions. We killed millions in Indochina because of the slippery slope logical fallacy, the domino theory. This logical fallacy goes like this. If Vietnam, then Laos. If Laos, then Cambodia. If Cambodia, then Bensonhurst. In the early 60s, that was America's foreign policy catechism. And we're seeing it being deployed by another Democratic president, again, with Ukraine. If Ukraine, then Poland. If Poland, then Germany. If Germany, then Bensonhurst. That's a logical fallacy used to scare us. I do believe Putin must be stopped. But maybe resorting to the domino theory to sell a war, maybe that's a little insulting to our intelligence. Anybody who remembers the logical fallacy of the domino theory, it's a little insulting to deploy the slippery slope argument. But, I'm hearing the slippery slope logical fallacy from not only Republicans, I you know, I expect that, but from concerned democrats right don't disqualify trump it's a slippery slope let the voters decide not the courts it's a slippery slope leaving it up to the courts that's what you you know no that's that's not right uh well it is right in a republic you leave it up to the courts donald trump committed many many crimes should we vote on whether to send him to jail? Should, we, should, should November be a mandate as to whether or not Donald Trump goes to jail? We get to vote? Or should we treat him like every other citizen and make him go through our criminal justice system? January 6th was an insurrection led by Donald Trump. Section 3, 14th Amendment, disqualified find another pig i don't mean to insult pigs by the way they're actually i don't want to get into that there is no slippery slope january 6th was an insurrection i've heard and i'm hearing people say well it's a bad precedent for secretaries of state and and state supreme courts to scrub donald trump's name off a ballot What's to stop Republicans from finding any excuse to scrub Joe Biden's name from the ballot? The courts. The slippery slope argument. Why enforce any laws that are on the books? If a secretary of state decides Joe Biden violated Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and, and has scrubbed his name from the ballot... You take it to the Supreme Court where nine judges supposedly know the difference between what Trump did when he ordered his goons, his armed goons, to storm the Capitol. You have a Supreme Court that knows the difference between that and whatever nonsense the Republicans claim Biden is doing to violate Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Um, I'm hearing that They're claiming he's leading an insurrection because he's allowing migrants to invade our country. Take it before the courts. I refuse to accept that even the most corrupt Supreme Court in modern American history can't tell the difference between these false claims against Biden and a legitimate insurrection led by Donald Trump. Now, I I know they're going to punt And they're going to say, let let the American people decide in November. I know that. But there's certainly a rogue prosecutor or a rogue secretary of state who tries to kick Joe Biden off the ballot is not going to succeed in the courts. There is no such thing as a slippery slope here. It is a logical fallacy. I heard... The identical slippery slope logical fallacy last summer when Fawney Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, indicted Donald Trump. I heard people who voted for Biden say to me, you know, I'm not sure it's a good precedent. You know, if Fawney Willis can get a grand jury to indict Trump, it's a slippery slope. What's to stop a rogue prosecutor in Texas from indicting Joe Biden? the courts it's a logical fallacy if you, if you make it this is how a logical fallacy works Okay, if you make it illegal to drive drunk we can't do that because then they'll make it illegal to walk drunk and before you know it pedestrians will be stopped by cops and forced to take breathalyzer tests in New York that wouldn't be the worst idea In a civilized society, we know the difference between Trump and Biden. Slippery slope arguments are made by people who just want to maintain the status quo or cowards. And the Democratic Party is lousy with cowards. Don't prosecute Trump. Just wait. give it another four years because they have money. Give it another four years. A rogue prosecutor cannot indict Biden for any old reason. There are appeals courts that stop these kind of things, unless, of course, Trump gets another four years to appoint more judges. Again, I have no doubt that our Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of Trump. The same way they ruled in favor of Bush and Bush v. Gore and awarded the presidency. They stopped the count in Florida and awarded the presidency to George W. Bush, even though he lost the popular vote. But I'm glad that it's going before the Supreme Court. Let history show that, once again, our Supreme Court failed us. And let Americans be reminded that, had Hillary won, six out of nine Supreme Court justices today would have been picked Either by Obama or Hillary. So, you don't like Joe Biden? Tough titties. Vote for him anyway. Four more years of Donald Trump picking our judges really will destroy this country. Speaker Mike Johnson has invited Joe Biden to deliver the annual State of the Union but wants him to deliver the address in March. Have you ever heard of a State of the Union delivered in March? It's normally delivered in late January or early February. March is incredibly late. But Mike Johnson, the Speaker, wants the State of the Union after March 5th, which is Super Tuesday, when primaries take place in Alabama, Arkansas, Alaska, California, Colorado, Iowa, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, and Bensonhurst. So why does Mike Johnson want Joe Biden to deliver his speech after Super Tuesday? Because the State of the Union is fantastic. At least compared to the State of the Union when Donald Trump was president. And Mike Johnson, our speaker, has already endorsed Donald Trump. Mike Johnson is the Trump toady who got more than 100 Republican members of Congress to sign a bogus amicus brief in the winter of 2020, supporting Texas's lawsuit challenging Joe Biden's win in Pennsylvania. The Supreme Court. As bad as our Supreme Court is, they wouldn't take the case. But Mike Johnson, he is all in on Trump. And the last thing he wants is the American people to hear Joe Biden's State of the Union before Trump locks up the nomination on Super Tuesday. And it, you know... uh. It looks like he's going to lock it up. I wish I could tell you otherwise. I'm going to look at more polls for tomorrow's show. but uh, So Joe Biden can't speak to the American people before Super Tuesday because the Republican Party is built entirely on lies. You cannot have voters hear the truth. Biden's State of the Union is going to be a victory lap. December's job numbers are a blowout beyond what anyone expected or even thought was possible, given that the unemployment rate is below four percent. Two hundred and sixteen thousand new jobs in December. The unemployment rate is at three point seven percent, and it's been holding steady around there uh, for nearly two years. Full full employment below four percent is full employment, and inflation. Sorry, Republicans, inflation is now down to 3%. The sweet spot is 2%. You want to get inflation down to 2%, but wages are now keeping up with inflation. So yeah, if you want Trump to be nominated, you don't want millions of voters listening to Joe Biden's State of the Union before Super Tuesday. Johnson is probably betting that by March, the jobs number... Uh, job numbers will level off, and Republicans can lie in March and say, Bidenomics, failure. It's a slowdown. The funniest thing when the, the job numbers come out every month, watch Fox News or CNBC when the, the job numbers come out. Uh, watch uh, Rick, Santel, Rick Santelli, he's the CNBC hack, he helped create the Tea Party. Rick Santelli uh, or Maria Bartiroma Roman Fox. They, they read the job numbers like they just ate a bad clam. They're in such pain admitting record low unemployment and inflation coming down, especially fuel costs. The only way the Republicans can beat Biden is by lying. And that's how they win. They're liars and they steal uh, elections through voter suppression. Well, besides president Biden, Lauren Boebert has also been officially endorsed by speaker, Mike Johnson in making the announcement. Johnson called Boebert quote, a relentless force for conservative governance. Yes. She was relentlessly conservative when she was watching Beetlejuice with her boyfriend, uh, I wonder if her purity ring fell off. Bobert won her second term by 600 votes last year. And the guy who almost beat her is running again and he's fundraising. It's unbelievable the money that people are throwing at him. So uh, Lauren Bobert threw up her hands, blamed Barbara Streisand. Seriously, she said, Barbara Streisand is funding my opponent and Lauren Boebert announced she was going to run for re-election in a different congressional district. She's now running for the seat vacated by Republican Ken Buck, which I think is the fourth district in Colorado. There's a primary race in June, and Lauren Boebert will be facing stiff competition for that nomination. Ken Buck is almost a decent Republican, almost. He's one of the more sober conservatives in the House. If you remember, he refused to vote for Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise for Speaker because they were both election deniers. Ken Buck, member of the Freedom Caucus, he and Chip Roy were the only members of the Freedom Caucus who voted to certify the election for Joe Biden. But eventually they break. After, you know, he cast his ballot for the biggest election denier of them all, Mike Johnson, for speaker. And after he cast, he said, I'm not going to vote for anybody who's an election denier. He ended up voting for Mike Johnson. And then Buck said, I'm done here. I'm going home. I don't see him endorsing Lauren Boebert, at least in the primary. But who knows? Who knows? Does he have principles? He says he does. That means he doesn't. This is the mop-up for January 6th. It was three years ago. Seems like a lifetime. Thank you for finding me. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. That's the best way to make sure I'm in your feed by liking this. And please subscribe to my channel as well as my newsletter. And if there's anything you enjoy... The best way to help me, the best way to support me, to thank me, is to share this episode via social media or in an email or a text message. Share it with your friends, please. That's the best way to help me. I don't have any network behind me. I don't have a sugar daddy. I got Robert Smigel and Sam Cedar. That's it. The only reason you're listening to this show right now is because someone either shared it with you or shared it with someone you know, and it found its way into your feed. It's word of mouth. So I don't have celebrities on this program. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not getting any juice from these big consortiums. So if you want to help, please copy and paste the link to this episode and share it with like-minded people. Great news, Wayne LaPierre has quit the National Rifle Association. The announcement came after jury selection began in a Manhattan courtroom where LaPierre is accused of stealing millions of dollars from the organization. LaPierre, what a, you know, when you think of the NRA and gun owners, you think of rugged individuals, men, militia and their leader is a guy named La Pierre, or was La Pierre. In making the announcement, La Pierre said he was stepping down after nearly three decades due to health reasons. Health reasons. Performing his job, he says, is putting a strain on his health. Well, join the club, La Pierre. You performing your job has been putting a strain on the health of 50,000 Americans each year dying from gun injuries because you turned the NRA into a tool of the gun manufacturers. You sold Americans guns. That's all you did. You weren't about responsible gun ownership. You just went out there and tried to scare people into buying more guns because your job is to represent the gun manufacturers. And they have to make more profits each year, which means selling more guns, which means more people shot to death in America. Thanks to you, you POS, Wayne LaPierre, perhaps one of the worst people ever, ever, Wayne LaPierre. According to the civil lawsuit... Filed by New York State Attorney General Letitia James, one of the best people ever, Attorney General Letitia James. La Pierre and two other NRA executives are accused of stealing as much as $45 million from the NRA. La Pierre reportedly charged. $40,000 in purchases at a Zegna boutique in Beverly Hills on just one shopping spree, right? Real salt-of-the-earth gun-toting American. He spent $500,000 on trips to the Bahamas and Lake Como, Italy. Well, he didn't spend it. He charged the NRA for that. A real man of the people, His biggest crime is he's a horrible shot. He's not a good marksman. There's video. I can't watch it. It's too sad. Uh, There's video of him trying to kill an elephant in Africa on what was essentially a canned hunt. He's like trying to shoot. I don't even want to repeat this. It's so sad. Who would kill an elephant? Wayne LaPierre, the worst human being on the planet. But there is a video that was sent to me. I couldn't watch it. He's on this canned hunt, and he can't. He keeps missing the elephant, and his wife had to finish the elephant off. Mm. Seventy-five didn't serve in Vietnam. Didn't didn't had didn't make it to Vietnam. Loves guns though. Loves to shoot. Didn't make it to Vietnam. Oh. More documents from that civil lawsuit filed against Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, have been unsealed. More coming out. According to new rele- newly released files, Great Britain's Prince Andrew reportedly stayed at Jeffrey Epstein's Florida mansions uh, for weeks at a time. And according to witnesses, Prince Andrew received massages at least once a day. I wonder from whom. Donald Trump also reportedly was a frequent guest who preferred eating in the kitchen instead of getting any massages. Well, you know, he... I know that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell did soliciting at Mar a Lago. I think uh, the plaintiff in the civil lawsuit was found at Mar a Lago. And it doesn't matter that Donald Trump didn't get any massages. He hung out with Jeffrey Epstein, he looked the other way. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, especially if you want to be president of the United States. It's pretty bad. Could you eat in Jeffrey Epstein's mansion in the kitchen knowing what was going on? The new document dump has reportedly killed Andrew. I'm talking about Prince Andrew. The new document dump. Oh, I got the story coming up is incredible. I can't wait. Right, let me get through this. The new document dump has reportedly killed Andrew's plans for rehabilitating his image and becoming a working royal again. King Charles is said to be done with Andrew and is expected to announce that he will no longer foot the multi-million dollar annual bill for Prince Andrew's private security at Windsor Royal Lodge a 30-room mansion gifted to Andrew by Queen Elizabeth. So there, let me get this straight, King Charles. You're thinking about uh, no longer paying for your brother's private security. Uh, he's been implicated in the Jeffrey Epstein story. He had to pay millions of dollars because he wasn't willing to go to trial and you're thinking of cutting off his private security and yet your own son, Prince Harry, you've cut his private security off. Your own son, you uh, have denied him private security. That's the kind of father I want to be. Tough love. Tough love. Wow. 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 Wow! All right, here we go. I I like this story. This is this is a good story coming up. This makes me very happy. Tennessee Republican Congressman Tim Burchett or Tim Boucher—I don't—I don't know what how you and I don't care. This is the guy who Kevin McCarthy uh, alienated because <laughs> Kevin. I've t- I t- I love telling this story. If you listen to the show, Kevin, I'm going to tell it again because it just makes me so happy. When they were voting to vacate the chair, Kevin McCarthy called Tim Burchett, Boucher, whatever, and he said, I need your support. And Tim Burchett said, I'm praying on it. And Kevin McCarthy, much to his credit, started laughing hysterically. You're praying on it? And uh, then said something about people who prey on things, and Burchett announced the next day, I I couldn't vote for a man who mocked my religion. Uh, Yeah. Kevin McCarthy hates this guy, and uh, he kidney-punched Tim Bush. Remember, this is the douchebag that Kevin McCarthy kidney-punched late last year. Probably the only good thing Kevin McCarthy has done in his 20 years in Congress or in politics, was kidney-punching uh, Tim Boucher. Uh, Boucher is one of the, or Burkett or Birchett, is one of the eight Republicans who voted for McCarthy to vacate the chair. And Kevin McCarthy hates him. Uh, he says that Birchett loves the sound of his own voice and never saw a bank of microphones that he didn't want to pontificate in front of. You know, it's this sugary southern drawl and it just sounds so benign you know we're just going to make it impossible for black people to vote that's all we're trying to do here we're just trying to separate the races here it just sounds so sweet well during the holiday break Burchett has been talking a lot in a podcast interview Burchett said a lot of his colleagues republican colleagues have been compromised by Russian agents feeding them drugs and prostitutes. This is what he said. He said what a lot of us have been saying about the Republican caucus since Trump became president. This show I've been nonstop on how Putin has compromise on members of the Republican Party and he gets them to vote accordingly. I've been saying this since 2016. Well, McCarthy is right about this guy. He's got logorrhea. that's diarrhea of the mouth. He said, and I'm going to just read this word for word because this validates everything we have been we've been saying, okay? He says, let me find, how do I go full screen here? Full screen. This is his uh Okay, he says, you know, the old honeypot. The Russians do that, and I'm sure members of Congress have been caught up. Why in the world would good conservatives vote for crazy stuff like what we've been saying? Here's how it works. Well, why in the world would good conservatives vote for crazy stuff? Because there's no such thing as a good conservative, you douchebag. Okay, he's going to tell us how it works you're visiting, you're out of the country, or out of town, or you're in a motel, or at a bar in D.C., and whatever you're into, women, men, whatever, comes up, and they're very attractive, and they're laughing at your jokes, and you're buying them drinks, next thing you know, you're in a motel room with them, naked, and Next thing you know, you're about to make a key vote and what happens? Some well-dressed person comes up, whispers in your ear, "Hey man, there's tapes out on you. Were you in a motel room? Um, whatever with whoever?" And you're like, "Uh-oh." And they say, "You really ought not to be voting for this thing." And what do they do? It's human nature. Uh, what? Human nature? Really? Maybe for Republicans. He goes on, no man, no man or no woman is an island, and they know what to do, and they know what to get at. He's talking about the Russians. If it's women, drugs, booze, it will find you in D.C. and in most elected offices, and that's what people in power and influence do. Wow. Well, that explains it all. I, I can't believe he said it. And I can't believe he's still walking the face of this earth. That You're, you're not supposed to say that. That is loose lips. That is lagaria, diarrhea of the mouth. Uh, I can't believe it's not being reported Everywhere, I mean, it should be an addendum to the Mueller report. Uh, it sure explains a lot. You have a lot of members of the Republican caucus refusing to vote for the Ukraine supplemental. We've seen it. One minute, they're saying we can't allow Putin to march through Europe. The next minute they're saying, you know, we need to know what Zelensky's plan is. We just can't give Ukraine a blank check. And why did I have to sleep with that male prostitute? I'm a happily married church elder. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise is leaving Washington to get stem cell treatment for his cancer. And that means Republicans can only afford two defections, otherwise none of the spending bills can pass the House. If you remember, they threw George Santos out, then McCarthy quit. Congressman Bill Johnson of Ohio is bowing out earlier than he promised, and that leaves Speaker Mike Johnson with essentially a two-vote majority. That gives a lot of power to whomever, right? Which is why... Forbes, over the weekend, says that the betting markets, yes, people bet on these things, the betting markets now say there's a three-to-one chance the government will shut down on January 19th when the first part of the continuing resolution expires. Remember they laddered it? The Washington Post says 20% of the federal government's funding has been rolled into that first continuing resolution. So what are we going to expect starting Monday? They're going to be talking about rolling shutdowns, right? The first ladder expires on January 19th, and that means there will be no more funding for the Department of Agriculture, Military Construction, the Department of Veterans Affairs, the Department of Energy, the Department of Transportation, or the Department of Housing, Urban, and Development, There is the potential here of a partial shutdown. And if you listen to the speaker, when he went down to the border earlier this week, Republicans in the House are itching to shut the government down. They're going to claim it's over border security, but what they really want to do is shut the government down. Supposedly, the Senate is working on a deal that will bundle a Ukraine supplemental with a border bill. Senator Kirsten Cinema, the former Democrat turned independent, has been part of the negotiations. Schumer put her in charge of the negotiations representing the Democrats. And she says she's closing in on a deal. Uh, yeah, as a lobbyist, when she announces she's not running... For reelection. I think she is done. Ruben Gallego is raising so much money. I don't see how she runs for reelection. And uh, Congressman Troy Nels said on Wednesday he doesn't care what kind of bipartisan deal comes out of the Senate. He's not voting for it. He said, not if it helps Biden. He said it. You're not supposed to admit that. You're you're supposed to say, well, this, this bill didn't go far enough. You don't say, not if this helps Biden. See, the truth is Republicans don't care about the border. They need an imaginary crisis to run on. If they actually made a deal to address the plight of the migrants, they'd lose their cudgel. They'd have nothing going into 2024. There's nothing you're going to be able to offer House Republicans when it comes to the border that would be good enough, which means if Mike Johnson genuinely wants funding for Ukraine and some, some nominal funding for the border, he's going to have to put on his big boy pants and work with Democrats. And he can't. That's that's seppuku. He's down to a two-seat majority. All it takes is two Republicans to kill a Ukraine border supplemental. So unless Johnson reaches across the aisle and gets Democrats on board, what happens? What happens? If he does that, the honeymoon for Mike Johnson is already over. And a lot of Republicans say, for appearance sake, they they can't vacate the chair again. But there are members of this caucus, uh, and all you need are, I think, less than eight now, who are going to turn on him. I have no idea. It's going to be a bloodbath. Mike Johnson has two choices. He can govern, and by governing lose the speakership, or he can cater to his own people, the far right, and shut the government down, and what? Keep it shut down until January of 2025 when we have a new Congress? I mean, I do think Republicans go big. Like Trump, when you nominate Trump, you're going big. And a permanently shut down government? I mean, to have the government completely shut down for the year, uh, would that work politically? I don't know. No, it wouldn't. Uh, I don't know what happens. Supposedly, the 14th Amendment says it's uh, against the law to shut the government down, to, to destroy our credit. And that's the debt ceiling, essentially, Uh But I don't know how you reopen the government. Do you go to the courts? Uh, Biden supposedly has the authority to issue a $1 trillion coin, but I think that's just to pay our debt if they refuse to raise the debt ceiling. I don't know. Um, But I have to believe that it's not just Vladimir Putin who has the compromise to get things moving in Washington, D.C. Nobody in the Biden White House has files to dump on these Republicans' desks and say, hey, you want your family to find out about this? I mean, Tim Boucher, Tim Burchett, this is what goes on. This is how, Lyndon, this is how politics used to, this is how the Democratic Party used to roll. This is how Lyndon Johnson got things done. You want a library in your name. You're going to you're going to vote for the you're going to vote for Medicare. Do you want and you have two choices here. You can uh, if you vote for Medicare, I'm going to give you a library in your name. Or I'm going to tell your wife. So, you're you're going to vote for me. That's how it used to be done. Well, this is the most unproductive Congress in American history. They have passed fewer bills than any Congress in American history. Can Republicans run on this? Maybe. I guess if you're the party of small government, there's nothing smaller than no government. But Republicans really have nothing to show. Well, they did, they did get the president of Harvard to step down. Dr. Claudine Gay stepped down after she and two other university presidents went before Congress to address the rise of anti-Semitism on college campuses. And if you remember, least Stefanik, who's part of the Republican leadership, demanded that the heads of the universities denounce the slaughter of all Jews. And the president of the University of Pennsylvania embarrassed herself, and she had to step down. Dr. Claudine Gay really didn't get tripped up. So Elise Stefanik went to plan B and unleashed some oppo research accusing Dr. Gay of plagiarism. This is Elise Stefanik. This is a moral failure of Harvard's leadership and higher education leadership at the highest levels. And the only change they have made to their code of conduct, where they failed to condemn calls for genocide of the Jewish people, the only update to the code of conduct is to allow a plagiarist as the president of Harvard. Elise Stefanik is married to a gun lobbyist, by the way. Uh, Well, these accusations of plagiarism were already in the pipeline before the hearings even began. The the conservatives knew that they were going to go after academics for plagiarism. Uh, And it turns out Elise Stefanik is also guilty of plagiarism. She stole entire passages from a letter written by another member of Congress and put it in her letter that she had written to, I believe she had written a letter to these university presidents and plagiarized the letter. Well, tit for tat, some Democrats are now calling for Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch to step down. Reports from a 2017 article in Politico reveal that Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch, stole chunks of passages from a well-known legal journal for a book he wrote in 2006. This is the new thing now, plagiarism. This is how they're getting people in academia. Hedge fund billionaire Bill Ackman is on the war path with Harvard because as a graduate of Harvard, he's upset with how Harvard mishandled the Gaza protests. And he was one of the very first to raise concerns about Dr. Gay's alleged plagiarism but he had a tough week Bill Ackman because after Dr. Gay resigned Business Insider came out with a a story accusing Ackman Ackman's second wife Nary Oxman a former MIT professor accusing Bill Ackman's second wife of plagiarism She's been accused of plagiarizing the work from other authors in her doctoral dissertation. Oxman confessed. She took to Twitter and admitted that she failed to cite several authors. And after Bill Ackman's second wife admitted that she was guilty of plagiarism, the Business Insider came out with another report saying Ackman's second wife also stole from wikipedia 15 times in her doctoral dissertation ackman has now hired people he's pissed off you you don't do that to my second wife ackman has now hired people to scour the doctoral dissertations of every faculty member of mit to root out plagiarism the guy's worth $5 billion, and I got to tell you, that's money well spent going after the plagiarists. You know, when you look at everybody who needs money, uh, nobody needs money more than people who research plagiarism. Let me tell you why this is a stupid idea, Bill Ackman. Let me tell you why this is a stupid idea. I know this is an idiotic idea uh, to, to spend your fortune on rooting out plagiarism at MIT. I know it's a stupid idea because if I had $5 billion, it's exactly what I would do. I know this for a fact. And that's why it's a stupid idea. If I had $5 billion like Bill Ackman, you know... I have my kill list right here, my enemies list. If I had $5 billion, I wouldn't spend it on low-income housing, feeding the poor, setting up soup kitchens, and providing free health care for those of us falling through the cracks. Anybody can do that with $5 billion. Nope, not me. I would do what Bill Ackman is doing I got my enemies list right here. I got the list of people and I would spend all 5 billion of my dollars doing what Bill Ackman is doing. Just going down my enemies list, checking them off. That's how I know this is sick and diseased. This is if Bill if you're watching, I I can assure you it's a sick and diseased idea. Because it's something I would give anything to do. You know, Bill Ackman, uh, hedge fund entrepreneur, he made it entirely on his own. I think his father started uh, like the the commercial real estate mortgage industry in New York. I think he, like like before, I, I, like his father was really successful and also went to Harvard. But Bill Ackman made it completely on his own. Uh, this is the guy who's complaining about affirmative action, Bill Ackman. Uh, got, his father went to Harvard, I think. I know Bill Ackman got into Harvard, uh, and his father was only a multi-multi-multi-millionaire. So I mean when you compare the five billion dollars that Bill Ackman has right now to the what hundred million dollars his father only had? He came from poverty. Really, when you compare, you know, when you compare five billion to a hundred million, he came from poverty. So good on you, Bill. Uh, but you know, I'm I agree with you. Spend the $5 billion. That's what I would do. Then again, you know, there's another way to prove to your second wife that you love her. There are other ways to prove you love your second wife. Unless having $5 billion is the only way to prove you're a man. I don't know. I don't know. $5 billion, there's... Is that why you have $5 billion? Speaking of manly men, Vivek Ramaswamy has pulled all his ad spending in New Hampshire and Iowa. And now he's just doing interviews. He's doing it the Trump way. I don't need to advertise on television. I just do interviews. And he's doing interviews, basically waiting for the call from Trump, asking him to be his running mate. Uh, Well... Good luck with that, person of color and non-Christian. I, I think you're trying to get the, the, the veep spot in the wrong party. Do you, do you really think a person of color who isn't a Christian is going to get to be Donald Trump's uh, vice president? Picking you as, as his vice president kind of goes against the whole idea of Trump. <laughs> like... Why would people vote for Trump if a non Christian person of color is on the ticket? Uh, Is Vivek Harvard or Yale? Or both? Not bright people. That's why they have to go to Harvard and Yale. Remember The Wizard of Oz gives the diploma? You need that diploma, and all of a sudden you're smart. Greatest movie ever made Wizard of Oz. Well, uh, it is. You know, 200 years from now, that will be the movie that, uh, uh. anyway, on the campaign trail, Vivek said if elected, he would pull the United States out of NATO. And, you know, that's the great thing about being a Republican is you can just lie and, and, and say stupid things and nobody fact checks you. He says, I'm going to pull out of NATO. And he makes this statement a month after Congress just passed a bill that forbids a president from unilaterally pulling America out of NATO. It now has to be done through an act of Congress. I mean, and the media, he says it, media doesn't ask him, but I thought you have to ask, no, no. If you're a Republican, you can just say whatever you want, and nobody bothers to fact-check you. A month ago, they passed this bill. Just in case somebody like Vivek or Donald Trump becomes president and decides, yep, that's compromise, Vladimir. We're going to pull out of NATO. Vivek also says he wants to make English our official language. And if elected, he would see to it that all ballots are printed in English. Now, isn't he... Does he have a law degree from Harvard or Yale? That's against the law. It's against the Civil Rights Act. I think it violates the 14th Amendment. Due process? Well, yeah. He wants to crack down on immigrants. Uh, Now, you know Vivek's father is not an American citizen. Does everybody know that? I've, t- I've told you this. His parents, and I'll wrap it up. How are we doing here? Okay, I've gone too long. Uh, his parents came to America. They weren't citizens. And they fornicated. Amer- Non-Americans came to our country and began fornicating. His parents fornicated on our soil. And this monster, this monstrosity was conceived. And they weren't citizens. But Vivek, the minute he came out, was a citizen because of birthright citizenship, which he wants to get rid of. And he is, as I always say, the greatest argument for getting rid of birthright citizenship. His father is not an American citizen. Why isn't that the biggest story about Vivek Ramaswamy? Vivek Ramaswamy has birthright citizenship. His mother eventually became a citizen. His father didn't. Why why didn't that come up in the debates? Oh, it's a rude question. It's a rude question. Wanting to get rid of birthright citizenship, though, that's not rude. That's not rude. Or, or printing ballots only in English, that's not rude. But as a, as a journalist, I can't ask Vivek Ramaswamy why his father never became an American citizen, even though he's a very successful patent attorney. And uh, you're, you're the beneficiary of birthright citizenship, Vivek. Why do you want to get rid of it? That would be a rude question to ask during a debate. All right. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. I have a lot more to get to. I I overprepared, so we'll do a show tomorrow night. If you uh, thank you to the mods. Oh, we have a poll. There's a poll. And I'm going to be careful this time because when I read the poll, there was... It was psychedelic. What is the question? Oh, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win Iowa? Which is, let me uh, go to my, uh, my, here we go. Look what I got. The GOP Iowa caucuses are now (laughs) eight days, 19 hours, 15 minutes, and 52 seconds. And we've got uh, New Hampshire is 16 days, 19. What is it really? Just 16 days away. 19 hours, 15 minutes, and 41 seconds. And the November election is 303 days, 19 hours, 15 minutes, and 33, 31 seconds. This is good for me. I need to look at this. So the poll is: Who do you think is going to win Iowa? I've been saying, DeSantis. But uh, I don't know. I, I You know, I, I, I admit it to this. I think the only reason I'm saying DeSantis is, is so, you know, maybe I'll look smart. I don't know. Um, let's see. 103, 103 days, days, 19, 19 hours, day. 15 minutes, 33 30, seconds. 30. I'm probably screwing up. Uh, okay. Uh, in the chat room, can you tell me, are we getting the, that sound? Can anybody answer me? Okay, I guess we don't have the same problem. Oh, thank you. Okay, nobody... uh, Okay, so the question is... Thank you for showing up. We have 1,190 votes. And the question is, who wins Iowa? Trump, DeSantis, Haley, or Putin? I shouldn't have put Putin in. Putin came in first. That's I was see it would have been more interesting to find out what people really believed. 44% said Putin, uh 28% think Trump is going to win, uh 22 say Haley is going to win, 6% said DeSantis is going to win. That my listeners, cuz they all the, the the people in the chat room know that I've been predicting <laughs> DeSantis. Is going to win Iowa. So, of course, he gets the least amount of votes, 1,190 votes. Okay. Uh, thank you all uh, for showing up in the chat room, and thank you to Bob for uh, keeping the conversation civil. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Please share this episode if you want to help me, like I said Except for Robert Smigel and Sam Cedar, uh, nobody's helping me. Uh, we don't have celebrities here, so if you share this, I would really appreciate it. Um, but it was a, what, oh no, I have a uh, something else here to help me remember. Uh, here we go. Um, hang on, I, this is good. This is uh, here. Uh, I I thank you for watching. By the way, this is the part of, this was pre-taped. This is on, this is a kinescope. I did this uh, earlier. Please leave, oh, leave a comment. I love reading your comments. I read all the comments. Uh, thank you to the mods. Please like this episode. Please share. Please subscribe to my newsletter. And please subscribe to my channel. Okay. I think that covers everything. Oh, Santa. Hang on. Yeah. That was... Santa. Picked the wrong... What do I have here? I had something good. Oh, this. Uh, this is a product... Uh, this is the prototype a lot of you have seen it uh, This is for people like me who want a dog, but you don 't want to bend down and clean up after the dog so it 's a toilet for dogs with wheels so you take the dog out for a walk and he goes he walks and goes at the same time, and then you don 't have to uh, bend down and pick it up you i don 't know what okay. Goodbye. Let me... Bye. Thank you.